Hey, loyal listeners, Kenny Ortiz here. Thank you so much for uh, listening. Before we dive into this episode, I want to give you a heads up that what you're about to listen to is actually an updated version of episode 123. The original version was uh, recorded and published in mid-July 2016, and after that went live, I got several emails from several people uh, asking some questions about that episode, in particular for some of my Catholic listeners. Now, in that episode, I made some statements that were not as clear as they ought to have been. And uh, honestly, I, I just made some factual errors. Or I said some things that actually weren't accurate. And so rather than to allow uh, an episode to float around the internet uh, for an extended period of time with, with some errors and with some statements that weren't as clear as they ought to have been, I thought it best for me to go back and re-record some parts of the episode. And so here we are in mid-August of 2016. I am re-recording portions of this episode and will be re-releasing it. Uh, again, most of this episode remains intact uh, as as it was when it was originally published, but there are just simply a few portions of it where I went back and re-recorded a few things. Again, mostly to bring clarity to things that I maybe should have said much more clearer than what I originally stated. Thank you to those of you who gave me feedback. I deeply appreciate that. I love getting feedback from all of our listeners. And so if you have feedback for me, whether it be for this episode or any episode, I would love to hear from you. I apologize for not being as clear as I ought to have been. And more importantly, I apologize for some of the factual errors I made in the original version of this episode. So thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoy the updated version of episode 123. You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello and welcome in to another episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful metropolis of Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. This is episode 123, and we're going to be diving into a fun topic that was inspired by a, a regular listener, an email I got from a regular listener. So let's dive right in. I got an email from a woman by the name of Kathy. It was a very long email. Uh, it was very encouraging. She talked about a lot of the episodes she had listened to and how much she loved the podcast, how much she learned from the podcast. So really, really excited about that. I was really encouraged by that. So Kathy, thank you for your email. Uh, and in the email she sent, she talked about how she grew up Catholic, uh, but she never really believed in God for herself, even though she went to church growing up. Um, she didn't really believe in God much. Uh, she said when she went to college, she she stopped going to church. And, but now that she's in her late 20s, she uh, recently started going back to church. She had a friend of hers who invited her to come to church and said, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Uh, thank God for friends that will invite us to church, right? Um, anyway, so she goes to uh, she goes to church and ends up going to church is very different than the church she grew up in. So um, I'll just read a portion uh, of the email she sent. She says this. So recently I started going back to church, but this church is very different than the church I went to as a kid. Not sure I understand everything going on, and I'm not even sure that I even like everything that's going on, but I am learning a lot of new things. They've said some things that I don't understand, and I've got a few questions hoping you can help me. 
So it's a portion of the email that Kathy sent. She then went on to list several questions that she had uh, based on things that she had heard uh, in, the, in the new church she's been attending recently with her friend and kind of comparing and contrasting that to the Catholic church that she she grew up in. Uh, many of the questions she, she had asked, I actually had already answered in previous episodes that she had not yet listened to. So I was able to just point her to that and say, hey, check out those old episodes. Then there were a few other questions she asked me um, that I plan to address in future episodes, but have not yet done. Uh, in the future, I've actually have a, ca- a Catholicism versus Protestantism um, a, a series plan. I've got some guys I'm going to interview and dialogue about a variety of different differences uh, between you know uh, the Roman Catholic Church and um, Protestantism, and really kind of dialogue about that. I know I've, ta- I've touched on that in some episodes before. Episodes were you know revolving around the Reformation. Uh, an episode I did on denominations. An episode I did uh, about Martin Luther. You know, I touched on some of those things. But I'm going to do a series of several episodes really devoted to that. And several of the questions that she asked, I, I'm going to address in those episodes. Uh, but there was one particular question that she asked that I have not yet answered in any previous episode and hadn't really planned to tackle on any future episodes, so I thought it would be valuable to, to dive into today. Um, one of the questions she asked was this, she says, did Jesus have brothers and sisters? If so, why do Catholics still refer to Mary as the Virgin Mary? If she had kids, then obviously she wasn't a virgin. Why do they still call her that? Great question. Uh, I really want to give a quality answer to this. Um, for Kathy and anyone else out there, I want to make it clear, I am not Catholic, all right? I want to make that very clear. So I cannot speak on behalf of Catholics. That, that would not be fair uh, in any regard. However, I can tell you what I know from what I've studied about the Catholic faith. I've studied quite a bit about their doctrines and, and compared in contrast uh, to Protestantism and what I believe coming out, you know, the doctrine coming out of the Reformation. Um, and I've also had a, a lot of conversations with a lot of Catholic friends. Um, I've grew up in the city of Philadelphia, a very heavily Catholic city. So I have a lot of Catholic friends. I have attended Catholic Mass a handful of times in my life, and I've had lots of dialogue uh, with Catholic friends of mine. I'm going to answer this question in two different ways. Uh, Number one, I'm going to answer the question, why does the Catholic Church, corporately speaking, refer to her as the Virgin Mary? when When I'm talking about the Catholic Church in this regard, I'm talking about the official church doctrine. Why does the official church doctrine refer to her as the Virgin Mary? Why would the church leadership and the priest refer to her as the Virgin Mary? Why does the Catholic Church, corporately speaking, call her that? And then I'm going to answer it a different way, and that is, why do everyday Catholics call her the Virgin Mary? Uh, why does kind of the regular person, the lay person, um, call her the Virgin Mary? And I think there's two different reasons at work. So first, I'll talk about the Catholic Church as a whole. Uh, the Catholic Church, corporately speaking, refers to her as the Virgin Mary because they embrace a doctrine that we call the, the doctrine of the perpetual virginity of Mary. The idea that she was a virgin before she had Jesus, she was still a virgin in during the birth of Jesus, and that she is still a virgin even after the birth of Jesus. So this is a doctrine that's embraced by uh, by many Catholics. This, this is the official doctrine of the Roman Church. But it's important to know this is not just a Roman uh, Catholic doctrine. This is actually a doctrine that is embraced by a variety of other uh, churches, uh, other other forms of Catholic churches. Um, the Eastern Orthodox Church, in a lot of ways, adopts this. Uh, other forms of Orthodox churches adopt this doctrine, have held to this for, for many centuries. And th- there were some Protestants th- th- that held to this. In particular, some Reformers during the Reformation era uh, made comments that, that made it clear that they actually believed this. They held to this doctrine, the idea that she was a virgin into perpetuity, that she is the perpetual Virgin Mary. 
and that she never had any other biological children other than Jesus. In a future episode, we're going to dialogue why the Catholic Church and others have embraced that doctrine. Um, from what I see in Scripture, I, I don't embrace that doctrine. I do not believe that's true. And all of the evidence for that doctrine and for that come from sources outside of the Bible. Uh, I promise we will dive into that in a future episode. We'll talk about the doctrine of the perpetual Virgin Mary um, you know, at length in a future episode. Uh, actually planning, bringing on the show A Catholic Man. Uh, we're still working out the schedule, but that's my plan. It's my hope to be able to do that. Um, there's no doubt that the ver- that that the mother that the woman who's referred to as the Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus, um, was very special in a lot of ways. God used her in, in the, an incredible way. She was a major component of the story, that the unfolding of the redemptive story of the Messiah coming to planet Earth. Um, that is really cool, and, and it is obvious um, that she was a very virtuous woman, and that she was devoted to God. When you read through Luke chapter 1, uh, you can see that she was acquainted with the scriptures. She knew the scriptures really well. You could, The Bible says that she found favor with God. I mean, the way she lived her life uh, was, was, was pleasing to God. Uh, she was submissive when the angel brought her the news that she was going to have the Messiah. I mean, she submitted immediately to that. Um, and she was willing to go through ridicule and shame uh, you know, for the sake of bringing the Messiah into the world. I mean, it is obvious that Mary was a huge part of the story and is no doubt is worthy of great respect and honor in a lot of ways. However, when we look through the scripture, there's nothing that points to us to believe the fact that she would remain a virgin all the days of her life and that she ought to be honored as the perpetual virgin. Uh, In fact, as we look through the scriptures, I'm going to give you the Bible verses in just a moment. As we look through the scriptures, we actually see that Jesus did indeed have biological brothers and sisters, which leads us to believe that Joseph and Mary did indeed have children after Jesus was born. I, I listen, we, I want to respect and honor Mary, but I don't want to ascribe things to her that the Bible doesn't ascribe. So in general, the Catholic Church calls her the Virgin Mary because they embrace a doctrine that I believe is not founded in the scriptures. The second reason I want to, or the second way I want to answer that question, which is a little bit different, I want to take it from the perspective uh, of the everyday Catholic, kind of sort of the, uh, the, the regular person, uh, you know, some of the people that I know, some of the friends I've talked to, some of the people that I've corresponded with. And, and from my experience is that many people who, who profess to be Catholic are not calling her the Virgin Mary because they believe that she remained a virgin all the days of her life. I think they're calling her that more out of just out of habit. You know, they heard their priest say it, they heard their church say it. And so I, I think they they just don't realize. They just know they just call her that because that's what she was. She was she was the Virgin Mary. She was a virgin when Jesus was born. Um, and so that's what we call her, the Virgin Mary. I think a lot of people just do it out of habit or rote tradition without even realizing why they're saying it. And and by the way, that's not just a Catholic problem. There are many denominations and many uh, different churches where people do things simply out of tradition or out of habit and not even realizing why they do what they do. So please hear me. I'm not dogging on Catholics. Many people of many different faiths and many different denominations do that very thing. And, and I think people just do things often out of habit without even really considering it. Um, I think there's another reason why a lot of people uh, in the Catholic Church, or regular folks who you know who call themselves Catholic, would refer to the Virgin Mary as the Virgin Mary. Um, uh, he, even me, I'm even calling her the Virgin Mary in this episode, right? Um, I think a lot of people would refer to the Mother of Jesus as the Virgin Mary, really more of as a sign of respect, uh, kind of like a lot of times where we we call the president 
President Bill Clinton, even though he's no longer president, or or George W. Bush, we would refer to him as President George W. Bush, or we would call him Mr. President. Like it is actually quite normal to refer to someone who used to be president as as Mr. President so and so, even though they're no longer officially the commander in chief of the United States, we still refer to them as that simply as a sort of a sign of respect and honoring the fact that at one time they held that position. And I think there are some Catholic people out there that refer to her as the Virgin Mary that may or may not embrace the actual doctrine of the perpetual perpetual virginity of Mary. Like They may not actually believe that, but they think they still refer to her as a Virgin Mary more just as a sign of respect, as a sign of value, as a sign of esteeming you know, what she did and, and the role she played in bringing the Messiah into the world. And, and let me tell you, I think she deserves a lot of that respect. I, I think she's, she earned that. I, I think it's perfectly okay. Um, I don't think there's a lot of Catholics that call her the Virgin Mary for this reason, but I think that there are some. From some of the people I've talked to, they I've, I've gathered and learned that there are some people who call themselves Catholic who would say, I call her the Virgin Mary simply as a sign of respect for who she was. The other reason why I think a lot of people refer to her as the Virgin Mary Quite honestly, it's just I just think they just don't know. Like they're not bad people because of this. I just think they just ever, haven't ever been taught. Like they maybe they never actually read the Bible fully for themselves and never even realized that Jesus actually did have biological brothers and sisters. Um, I think maybe, maybe they they've been taught by their church leaders. Well, you know the perpetual uh, virginity of Mary that she is uh, uh, this, you know, she's a virgin and we should all refer to her that way. And they just. They just never, never taught. Um, maybe people went to Catholic school and they were taught that, and they just kind of embraced it. They never, you know, realized it. Or some people, you know, went to Catholic church, but they didn't attend Catholic school, uh, and maybe they didn't go through the proper, you know, catechism classes, uh, even though they were attenders of the church. Maybe they didn't actually go through that, and so they never really learned everything for themselves. So they just kind of assumed she was a virgin all the days of her life because that's what they hear, they hear her being called the Virgin Mary. So I think there's a lot of people calling her the Virgin Mary that just don't know. I know I've had conversations with with friends of mine uh, who grew up in the Catholic Church and maybe are, are, maybe they're still a part of the Catholic Church. Maybe they've you know gone on to, to other, you know, a different church. But I've had some dialogues and, and they come and they go, hey, the Bible's referring to these siblings of Jesus. Like, what is this all about? And and I, I come that, you know, have a conversation with them and just come to the realization that they just never really even knew. And so I, I think a lot of people just don't know. And so to, to address that, I want to just go through some of the passages of scripture that do indeed point to the fact that Jesus had biological siblings. Let me give you a few passages of scripture you can check out. Matthew 13, 55 talks about this group of people who are questioning Jesus and they're like, isn't this the carpenter's son? Like, Isn't this Joseph's son? Like, Isn't this the mother of Mary? Isn't this the guy who has a bunch of younger brothers and they actually name his brothers? Like, Isn't this a regular guy like us? Why does he teach with such authority? Why is this guy acting to be something grander than what we thought he was. So that's Matthew 13, 55. Uh, we see both in Matthew 12 and Mark 3, there's a story where Jesus is teaching and Mary, his mother, and his brothers were all outside waiting to talk to him. And so clearly the Bible's telling us he had younger brothers and they wanted to have a conversation with him. Um, the Bible actually even tells us in John 7, 5, that several of his brothers didn't believe in him. Can you imagine having an older brother claiming to be God? And you're thinking he's flipping crazy. Uh, and the only thing that causes you to believe that he's God is that he dies on a cross and then he raises from the dead, right? That could change your opinion. Um, and that actually happened to one of Jesus's younger brothers. He he rejected Jesus, said he was crazy, he was embarrassed by him, didn't think he was God. And then at some point later, after he saw that his older brother, Jesus, has risen from the dead, he started to believe. The last passage I'll mention, 
It's Galatians 1, uh, 19, the Apostle Paul makes reference to James, the younger brother of Jesus. And so it is, it is clear to us that the apostles knew who the younger siblings of Jesus were. Now, some people sometimes will respond by saying, well, we've translated it into brothers and sisters, but that's not actually what the Greek words mean. We should have translated it as cousin or distant relatives. You know, this idea that we've mistranslated the Bible. Just a quick reminder, the Bible was not written in English, right? It was written in the first century in Koine Greek. And so some have suggested that, that in the passages of scripture that refer to the brothers and sisters of Jesus, they were actually his cousins or his distant relatives. Well, if that's true, why didn't the writers in the New Testament use the term for cousins, like the word for cousins exists in the Bible. We, in Colossians uh, chapter 4, verse 10, Paul uses it. So, so the, the Bible writers would have known the word for cousins. Um, and if they were maybe distant relatives, not actual siblings, then, then, then why not use the Greek word that meant distant relatives? Like the one that describes Mary and Elizabeth's relational status in Luke 136, like that's a word that refers to them being as as sort of distant relatives. We translate it as cousin. We often say that Mary and Elizabeth were cousins. That's not 100% accurate. They're, it was more like distant cousins. Maybe they were second or third cousins or there was some, order, some other form of distant relationship. But there's a Greek word to describe that. So why wouldn't the Bible writers use that Greek word to describe the siblings of Jesus, the people that we believe to be the siblings of Jesus? Why would Matthew and Mark use words that were more commonly translated as brothers and sisters. In any other context, there's no questioning this meaning. In every other passage of scripture, when these Greek words are being used, we know for sure that it's referring to a sibling. Honestly, as I examine the gospels here, it seems rather obvious that these gospel accounts are referring to the children who were born to Joseph and Mary. They were the biological children of Joseph and Mary, meaning they were the biological half-brothers of Jesus. Bible makes clear Jesus did indeed have younger siblings. Side note, could you imagine what it would be like to be the little brother of Jesus? Like talk about having big shoes to fill, right? Like talk about having a big shadow cast over you. It would be kind of crazy, but yet yeah, would probably be pretty cool. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I hope this has been helpful and insightful. If you have a question you'd like me to answer or a topic you want me to address, I want to point you to our website, theologyfortherestofus.com. On the site, you can fill out a form and that comes directly to me. I promise I will answer every question that comes my way. And while you're on the website, I would encourage you to look through our archives of all of our old shows. All of our shows with show notes are on the site. Even if they don't appear on your podcasting app, you can find them there. I want to encourage you, hit the website theologyfortherestofus.com If you'd like to connect with me personally, the best way to do that is on Twitter. You can find me at Kenneth Ortiz. It's K-E-N-N-E-T-H-O-R-T-I-Z. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.